Mauling Finn into death. Kissy faces, <laughs> noises. Well, how's it going? It's it's been a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It has. Yeah. How's life? Life is good. It's slowly but surely getting back to equilibrium, which is fun. Some kind of semblance of normal. Yeah. Oh, cats are being weird. They're always weird. They're so cute. <laughs> we get sharp. I mean, cats, it's not cats, it's like a TV show. Speaking of which, Wheel of Time. Yeah. <laughs> Very aggressive segue. I know. I Speaking know. of which, Wheel of Time is awesome. Is um, I, I, I highly recommend the books, but also, like, there's 14 of them. Yeah. Brenda texted me and she's like, I really wanted to read the books, but then I saw there was 14 and I said no. And I was like, yeah, which is real. <laughs> um, I'm on 10. Oh my God. <laughs> I haven't read all of them. Jesus. Um, <laughs> The thing with, like, the books that's really annoying, like, there are times I'll go, like, a full year without reading a book because they can drag on. Yeah, that's annoying. And then when one book finishes, I swear the first, like, 100 to 200 pages of the next book almost feels like a recap. And I'm always like, I don't care. I've read this. (laughs) If you're on book nine... You're not starting in the middle. You yeah. don't need a recap. Yeah, or we don't need a, like, nine-chapter recap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. That's so, like that thing I sent you where it was like, um, if a book has really short chapters, I'll read it really quick, yes. even if it's 700 pages, but if yeah. it has really long chapters, I will not get through it. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's me, too. Yeah. Um, and then if, if it drives on like that with, like, recaps or, like, descriptions, I'm just like, I don't like I don't even none of that none of that registered in my head right now. It's also like I literally already read this. Yeah, we all read this. We, we are already did it. <laughs> don't need to hear about book eight again. Anyway. Give me a one chapter recap if you really feel the need to. It will say the show. Um, they changed some things, which is fine. It always happens. Yeah. Either okay. you can't transfer it onto. Well, they, they changed some things significantly, but again, it, how are you going to translate 14 books to a television show so they were going to have to? I'm really happy that a lot of um, books to TV are going to TV shows instead of movies because you yes. can do so much more. There's no way to show a wheel of time with a movie. Yeah, no, it would be like eight movies. It would be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of similar to when Game of Thrones was made. They had, like, George R. R. Martin had said, there's no way this could ever be movies. Yeah, no. So. There's too much to get in there, and then you'd have to cut too much, and it just wouldn't work out. But they, hey, there's still the chance to fuck up a TV show. Shadowhunters. I, <laughs> I think I tried watching that one. Oh, God. Such They're an just, interesting concept. With but. every book I read, and granted, I was reading a lot of YA books, but with every single one, they, they try to take it and make it that campy... Yeah, stupid. And I'm like, no, this is like a good, serious book. You can't make it stupid like that. You can have stupid parts. Yeah. But yeah, they make it. They try to make it kitty. And I'm like, all the people who read that, who were like diehard fans, are now older and don't want to watch your kitty shit. So you're young adult shit. It's kitty shit. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's YA. It, it is, but it. they like make it more towards kids, and it's really annoying. True. I, I think <clears throat> they did really good with them. Obviously, Shadow and Bowie. Yeah, we were happy. The fact that they were able to combine like two books too, since it's like two different series. I was scared when I thought they were going to do that. I was like, yeah, how are you? Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, they made it work. Yeah. Anyway, you're not. Sorry, you're not listening to a book review podcast. (laughs) Young adult books in real time. You're listening to Difficult Damsels, which is a podcast about badass women from history. Hell yeah. I'm Rachel. I'm Kat. Hi. Welcome. Welcome Um, to my living room. That you can't see. Yeah. It's better for you this way. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if you saw the living rooms of any of the podcasts you listen to? It'd be a little weird. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's not much to see. There's video games and DVDs and 
Chat's eating very loudly. Yeah, yeah, let's see. What DVDs can I see? I see Inception. Great movie. Yep. You know what? <laughs> that totally reminds me. Um, oh, you don't have Spotify. Mm-mm. So Spotify at the end of the year does a Spotify wrapped, which tells you, it gives you all your stats for what you listen to for the year. Oh. And then everybody like posts it to their Instagram stories. Yeah, you can't see it, but I did the link. She's doing magic fingers over here. Oh, that's so, good, but really easily misconstrued. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Spirit fingers. Spirit fingers. <laughs> um, my Spotify wrapped. Guess who my top number one artist was? Hans Zimmer. Yeah, what? Hans. Yes. <laughs> I looked at my... I'm really happy that you said Inception before you said that, because I would have been like... No, there's no way. Lana Del Rey. Right. That would have been my next guess. Not on there, surprisingly. <laughs> what well, she have a lot of music about recently? She didn't. No, I had um, the Tommy, who Harry, the the musician DJ person who works with a lot of people. Tommy something. Oh shit, Prophet. Yes, I had Tommy <laughs> Prophet, and I had Hidden Citizens. Yes. And my top genre was Epicore. That sounds right. I was just like my. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I guess it was like I guess my whole entire music this year was just like a cinematic. Um, that's fair music score <laughs> i played at work so i i moved into a cubicle where I actually, I actually like have privacy it's really great um and so i was playing my music and someone walked by and they're like what kind of music do you like because i walked by and i've heard heavy metal i've heard weird pop shit i've heard <laughs> fucking scandinavian shit then i heard the soundtrack stuff and i was like that's basically what i listen to so, like, doesn't everybody? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's my writing playlist. I'll send some friends, like, my random ass music, like, my <laughs> video game music. And I'm always like, maybe they'll like this, and then I never hear back. And oh, like, no! And I guess not. Then I send it to you, and you like it. I but, think, yeah, so we're good. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, are you ready to hop into our difficult dance? Can we just, like, slowly move in? I don't feel like hopping right now. Oh, I mean, yeah, I didn't mean literally hot, because I'm broken. Right? Oh, we're both broken. We're <laughs> so broken. Oh, no. I, like, I didn't fully throw my back out, mm-hmm. but I like, it's not the sciatica nerve, but it's the other nerve that's like right by your butt. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, though. Um, on the left so side. it's on your left side? That's on my left side. No, because it, there's like. It doesn't radiate down your leg? It doesn't radiate down my leg. It's like down my hip and back of my butt. I know, which, I know which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, because like, like you can't bend. Yeah. Um, My bulging disc has been uh, it's very been, angry lately. It's, it's that. It's because of the disc. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, it has not been fun. No. So definitely, there will be no hopping today. No hopping. <laughs> well, are you ready the to? Is crawling. Carefully. <laughs> I was gonna say carefully tiptoe no, into crawl. our subject. You will crawl. crawl. <laughs> you can awkwardly tiptoe, and I'll just laugh at you. Because <laughs> now I picture you as the Grinch when he's tiptoeing. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm here for it. It's not um, am around Christmas anyway. Oh my god, yeah. I'm very much agree. Because you don't like the, 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 what's the word? Not industrialized, the... Commercialized. Thank you. The commercialized yeah. holiday has become, it's not even a holiday anymore, it's just a time to spend money. You know and... what we should do? I saw a TikTok recipe for it. We should make like a, a Yule drink. I'm down. Like, um, it's like malt cider, basically. We're going to have a sleepover in two weeks. Fuck yeah, we can do that. Yes! Yes! Um, it, it's not like a weird sister-wife podcasting thing. Or sister-wife <laughs> thing. Um, we're going to... The Witcher's coming out season two, so we're going to like have a sleepover. We're going to have yeah. a marathon. Yes. I have a feeling we're going to finish it on Friday. We'll see. <laughs> I'm always really tired at the end of the week. so I'm always wide awake because I'm like wired. Yeah. Yeah, it really depends. Yeah. But yeah. Well, anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves, so. <laughs> we're still lagging behind because it's like nine minutes in and we haven't even started. <laughs> so, so. You guys love this. You can't even <laughs> be mad, okay? So episode, I think it's 27. Yes. Yes. Episode 27. You guys, we have so many episodes. We don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> episode 27 is Saida al Haram. Yes. So you did I, tell me you were practicing Arabic names, and now I see it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of Arabic names in this. Um, it's like Arabic Moroccan, so I I did my best. 
They make no promises. <laughs> I'm that's just like, like that's like the every episode you all should. But be honestly, out. yeah, I'm like I'm like that with English names. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. sorry if we don't pronounce it right. Just goddamn that. We are trying though. <laughs> anyway, so the story of Saida Alvera is a classic rags to riches story, and she is probably one of the most powerful Muslim queens you have never heard of. After fleeing the Reconquista in Spain, Saida's family would settle in northern Africa and unite the refugees to help create the United Morocco. Intelligent, resilient, and ruthless, Saida's rise to power came after the death of her husband when she assumed control of the city-state of Tetuan and ruled entirely on her own. From there, she organized the refugees to form an informal navy consisting entirely of privateers. Operating in the early 16th century, she would go on to dominate the Western Mediterranean Sea. Some would go on to call her a ruthless and bad-tempered pirate queen. Others would say she was a formidable leader and anti-colonialist. As we have come to learn here at Difficult Damsels, few women are ever just one thing. Saida Alvera is certainly no different. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> so let's get some historical context for the time period. So she, uh, she exists. <laughs> she, she exists. She lived um, in the first half of the 16th century. So that's like the 1500s. Okay. So in the year 1500, Islam becomes the dominant religion across the Indonesian archipelago. Why do I, think I hate that? I hate that word weird? so much. <laughs> that area. Archipelago? Archipelago? We're moving on. Archipelago? Whatever. <laughs> Y'all try to say it, okay? Oh my gosh, okay. Because it's great. I don't know. Too. <laughs> In 1503, Spain defeats France at the Battle of Cherignola, which is considered the first battle in history won by gunpowder small arms. Huh. In 1504, Isabella I of Castile dies. In 1506, Leonardo da Vinci completes his painting of the Mona Lisa. Hey. In 1509, Henry VIII becomes the king of England. Hey. And, <laughs> <laughs> just grounded you in a period. <laughs> 1512, Copernicus proclaims that the sun is the center of the solar system in his writings. Blasphemy. <laughs> In 1517, the Reformation begins when Martin Luther posts his 95 Theses in Saxony. Wow, I went really far ahead in history because you said Martin Luther and I thought you were going to go with King. I was like, that's a little out of the time, but okay. Oh no, this is the German Martin. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> yeah, the one that was like, the Catholic Church is bullshit. From 1520 to 1566, the reign of Suleiman, the magnificent Marks the Zenith of the Ottoman Empire. From 1531 to 1532, the Church of England breaks away from the Catholic Church and recognizes Henry VIII as the head of the church. Oh, no. He then divorces Catherine of Aragon and marries Anne Boleyn a year later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In 1533, Grace O'Malley, the pirate queen of Henry. Ireland, is born. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> and in 1547, Ivan the Terrible is crowned the Tsar of all of Russia and becomes the first Russian Tsar. Yes. Which, um, czar is also, uh, like, basically Caesar in Russian. I don't know what you're saying. Huh? Yeah. And one of the Roman, uh, Roman episodes. Yes. And many of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, about the name. <laughs> this is another one of those, um, situations where we don't know with absolute certainty what Saida's actual name was. Why is that so annoying? It's very frustrating. Gosh. Um, but yeah, so basically there is no record of it in contemporary Spanish and Portuguese sources. And Portuguese. Portuguese. <laughs> and Islamic sources are um, curiously quiet about her. Hmm. But the, the name history remembers her by is more of a title than a name. Alhura specifically um, is Can you say it's married to? I'm gonna. It's get... not. Okay. It's not. It's, it's an Arabic title granted to women who exercised power or had a high position of status. Cool. Saida also has its own special meaning, but I'm going to wait till the end to tell you. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> a really, really badass meaning. So I'm going to I like that name. Saida? Saida. Yeah. That's pretty. That's my white girl way of saying it. I 
Oh, another interesting thing. I looked up like the pronunciations uh-huh. and there's like five different ways to pronounce it. Well, just because of the inflection the of dialect. Time. Yeah, the um, dialect. Like, I, I looked up the Arabic and it, it came up in Castellan because it's oh. from that area. Castilian? Spain. Castilian. <laughs> Whatever. I love you. <laughs> French. There's a French version. So Interesting. I. Yeah. That's... I'm sticking with Saida because that's what sounds natural to my tongue. Got word fast. Um, it is likely that the name she was born with was Lala Ahika Bint Ali Ibn Rashid Al Alani. Why are there so fucking many? So a lot of it's like her mom's name and her dad's name. Uh, uh, her name in the middle? Maybe. <laughs> Again, we don't know for sure. Interesting. Okay. She was likely born sometime in the year 1485 in the kingdom of Granada. It could also be 1495. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so when we get our ages, just there's gonna be like a potential de- ten year difference. Okay. Okay. Um, for the sake of consistency, uh, as far as the name goes, I will just call her Saida for the duration of the episode because that's how she is known. Anyway, are you ready? I'm gonna set the scene for you. Oh, I'm already set. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, a lot of world events are going on in the background that contribute to the rise of Saida Alharad. So a couple of decades before Saida was born, saw the fall of Constantinople to the Ottoman Empire. In history, this marked the end of the Middle Ages and the start of the Renaissance. It also marked a rise in Ottoman power in the Middle East and Northern Africa, and an increasing clash between Christian and Ottoman forces. I'm going to make myself sound so stupid right now, but I always forget how close Africa is to the Middle East. (laughs) Well, the Middle East and southern europe yeah it's just interesting yeah, i always forget is. it I but <laughs> that's why i have the maps i have the maps she does have maps i'm really excited for saida was born during the reign of isabella of castile and ferdinand of aragon their union and joint rule led to the unification of the kingdoms of castile and aragon to create the country of spain saida happened to be born during the end of the reconquista which is just a fancy way of saying the spanish inquisition oh huh, okay why did you just say that? Why did I say it anyway? <laughs> well, because the Reconquista was actually a centuries-old campaign to retake Muslim-controlled portions of the Iberian Peninsula, which is essentially Spain and Portugal. Okay. The Reconquista started back in the 8th century, and 500-plus years of fighting would continue to occur between Christians and Muslims in this area alone. The Kingdom of Granada, where Saida was born, was located along the south of modern-day Spain. We have maps. We have maps. So you can see it. At the time of Saida's birth, Isabella and Ferdinand had committed to converting the whole of Spain to Christianity. It was very violent, very brutal, and very genocidal. You remember the Spanish princess? Yes. So do you remember when Catherine of Aragon's remembering like her mother fighting in yeah. armor? was likely in Granada during this time oh. period. Yeah. Now, Isabella and Ferdinand were not just concerned with converting Muslims. They also targeted the Jewish population as well. I appreciate the use of targeted. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you know people don't usually say targeted. Like, it's not the real thing. Continue. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> so we're going to call it that. Now, in 1492, the Jewish population in the United Kingdoms of Castile and Aragon were given four months to leave the country. Yep. (laughs) It gets worse. They were forbidden from taking with them any gold, silver, money, arms, or horses. How about fuck you? You can say that to them, but I have to get the sword out. (laughs) And it's estimated that anywhere from 80,000 to 200,000 Jews were expelled. But how did they know that they took their gold and silver? They could have left like a handful and be like, and take the rest. Because they were just like, this is for God and your heathens. Uh, yeah, they weren't great. Uh, this is not a great time period. God. The rest that stayed behind all converted to Catholicism, but still faced investigation from the Inquisition that was forming in Castile and Aragon. The expulsion of the Moors, or Muslims, from Spain and the invasion of the Kingdom of Granada took much longer. Um, this is another 
thing that was like, it took 10 years, but I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. Great. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Muslim Nasser dynasty had held the Emirate of Granada since the mid-13th century. Isabella and Ferdinand turned their sights on Granada in 1482. Despite the fact that the leadership of Granada did not provide a united front to fend off Isabella and Ferdinand's forces, it would still take a total of 10 years for them to conquer Granada. In addition to having natural barriers in the form of mountains and rivers to help fend off the, the armies, Granada also had heavily fortified castles along the border of Castile and Granada. And they end up taking the kingdom piece by piece, targeting various cities and taking them one by one. That's why it took so long. If it takes you 10 fucking years to conquer something, maybe fuck off. You're dealing with religious fanatics. I know, it's awful. <laughs> One thing I hate in the world. I mean, but it's, truly, it's not great anywhere it occurs. Fanaticism isn't great. It, yeah. In religion or anywhere else. <laughs> in 1486, the western portion of the Muslim Nasserid kingdom fell to Isabella and Ferdinand. By 1489, the eastern province of the kingdom fell, leaving the city of Granada itself. After the, sieging the city for about a year, Muhammad XII surrendered the city to Isabella and Ferdinand. Now, in 1491, the Treaty of Granada was signed to end the Granada War and provided a truce to the city and granted a set of rights to the Muslim population of Granada that promised religious tolerance and fair treatment for their surrender. Through a series of political and religious BS instigated by Cardinal Francisco Jimenez de Cisneros, that involved increasingly aggressive forced conversions, that treaty fell apart. Oh, did it now? Now, with the fall of Granada, it marked the end of Muslim rule in the Iberian Peninsula after approximately eight centuries. Saida al-Hura and her family had been refugees that fled across the Alberan Sea following the fall of Granada. They ended up settling in the city of Shefshuin in the north coast of Morocco. In the end, approximately 20,000 Muslims were expelled from Spain after the fall of Granada, and approximately 100,000 were murdered during the fighting of the Inquisition. Now, um... I think if someone was like, my religion is more prevalent and whatever the force. Yeah. So again, the city of Shefshuin is in Morocco. I have maps for you. Morocco is in the top left portion of Africa and directly south of Spain. The green part? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of split in two. Well, at this time, it's not a united Morocco yet. Gotcha. But yeah, that'll gotcha. come in handy later. Hi, bud. Um, another random fact about Shefshuin, it's made almost entirely of blue. The buildings are blue and many of the roads and walkways are blue. Is that awesome? I almost thought that was Greece, but it's not Greece. It's Morocco, and it's another Unifico. Oh my god. It's it's a World Heritage site. Oh. Protected. Yeah. I want to go. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> why are these places? Why is it? Yeah, I know. My bank account's like, you're not going anywhere, but like down the street, maybe. Why <laughs> <laughs> um, Why was it blue, did you say? Or? I think it's just the stones they use. That's so cool. I'm not entirely sure, but I thought it was beautiful, so I used the pictures. I just love the like blue, and then there's like splashes of color everywhere. Yes. <laughs> Driving out the Muslims from Spain will have long-term consequences for the safety of maritime travel along the southern coast of Spain for decades to come. Oh. That's what our story is about. Yes. The scene has been set. The scene is set. <laughs> Alright, so Saida's parents were Moulay Ali Abin Rashid, he had been a tribal chief, uh -huh. and Lala, or Lala, Lala Zara Lala. Fernandez, um, oh. and uh, I read that her mother was a Christian convert over to Islam. Oh, okay. The family oh, she went from Christianity to Islam. Yeah. Okay. Alright. <laughs> you can't go both ways, guys. Both ways, guys. You can absolutely go both ways. Um, you just don't care about it. Oh my god. <laughs> the family had two children, Moulay, Ibrahim, and Saida. I love the name Ibrahim. I do too. Now, Saida came from quite the pedigree, as the Rashid family claimed to descend from the Muslim prophet Muhammad through Ooh. Idrisi I, who had been the founder of Morocco's first Islamic dynasty back in the 8th century. Even though Saida's family was technically in exile, 
She had a considerably privileged upbringing and was afforded the sort of education you'd expect a noble woman to receive. Some of the subjects she studied included linguistics, mathematics, and theology. And similar to other highly educated noble women we've discussed in the past, Saida was fluent in several different languages as well, which included, uh, what was it, Castilian? Castilian, yeah. Castilian, Spanish, and Portuguese. It appears her family saw something in Saida early because the education she received was intended to help her politically to continue the family legacy. She also had a famous tutor named Abdallah al-Gawanzi, who was a Moroccan scholar that would later go on to become a saint. Whoa. Uh, That's a, a jump. A Muslim saint. Uh, a lot of scholars, too. It's just a thing. It's a, it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> One of the stories related to Saida's childhood was Abdallah's father putting a hand on her head and saying, this girl will rise high in rank. Ooh. Speaking of which... She's like a saint, so <laughs> he's not a saint yet, but he's going to be one. <laughs> Um, Saida's father, Moulay Awi, had been the founder of the city-state of Shashuin. Um, so it's likely the city existed there already, but it was Saida's father's efforts that helped to rebuild and strengthen it, along with providing a new home for the refugees fleeing the Spanish Inquisition. Awesome. Now, having been a refugee of the Reconquista himself, Moulay Awi ends up welcoming both Muslim and Jewish refugees to the city of Shashuin. This flood of refugees to her father's city would always be in the background side of his childhood and would imprint vivid memories of families fleeing the genocide of their homeland. She would never forget it. Yeah, something you don't really forget. <laughs> when Saida came of age, there was one important duty she had to fulfill. I almost thought you were going to say dude, and I was like, yes. <laughs> what could that duty be? Don't you dare be? say marriage. Of course it's God! <laughs> I'm gonna die unmarried as like a revolt. <laughs> I know, same. This is my rebellion. I'm not getting married because fuck you. <laughs> I feel like all my past lives had these like marriages thrusted upon me, and somewhere along the um, reincarnation oh. cycle, I was like, really? fuck it. yeah, <laughs> not this time, not this time, bitch. <laughs> I will die alone on purpose. So you're gonna love this. Oh, okay. <laughs> Saida had been promised to the governor of the city of Tetuan when she was a child. She ends up marrying Abdu Hassan al-Mandari at the age of 16, possibly 26, because the oh, dates yeah. are late. I was like, wait! Um, <laughs> it's still not great. It, it's not yeah, great, I'm not done. Promise early. <laughs> oh, great, you got more. Great, great. Uh, well, he was 30 years her senior. <clears throat> but it might have also been his son. So the fuck? so so from what I was reading, um, uh, what's his name? <laughs> I got ahead of myself. Um, oh yeah, Almadari. Oh yeah. Uh, his son is also frustratingly he has the same name. So that's oh, why sources are like, this is why you give your children different names so that if you are historically relevant later on, <laughs> we can distinguish them. Yes. Yeah. Not in the first, second, third, or fifteenth. <laughs> anyway, this was a very important marriage. Look at his face. He's very upset too. He agrees. He's like, this is the He's like, I have an original name. It's technically not original, but it's fine. <laughs> we know it's him. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't named three of your cats Finn. No, it's just just the one for me. That's why it pissed me off in Game of Thrones when they were like, Jon Snow's Targaryen name was Aegon. Because I'm like, Rhaegar has another son named Aegon. I know he was dead, but that would have been confusing. <laughs> it made me so mad. <laughs> anyway, oh, random tangent. So <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense, and it's confusing, and we can see it in history when it happens. Yeah. Name your kids something different from your name. Exactly. You don't, you don't need to be that full of yourself that you Seriously. need your kid to have the same name as you. Anyway, so, so this, this marriage was important. Tetuan was a major port city in northern Morocco. I love when you point at me and I get really confused for like five seconds. We have maps. I, I we have maps. I want you to see where the city is. Which one? Um, here. Make that bigger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so basically, Tetuan was the entry point for important trade and goods that would be distributed to the interior portions of Morocco. Okay. And it was a heavily fortified city due to its proximity to the southern tip of the Iberian Peninsula. <laughs> I have more tips. Oh no! The northern tip of Morocco and the southernmost tip of Spain 
are separated by the Strait of Gibraltar. So at its narrowest point, oh. the sea is only eight miles wide. That's crazy. Is it that little east little yes. area where the tips meet? Yeah. If, if you, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. How do you know? It is the little area where the tips meet. <laughs> you can. Okay, I'm so sorry. We're fourteen-year-old girls. <laughs> you can Google the Strait of Gibraltar, and you can like. If you're standing on Africa, you can see Europe and vice versa. It's really cool. Um, so the Strait of Gibraltar also marks the entry point to the Mediterranean Sea from the Atlantic. This area will be very important soon. Wait, what area? Because I totally was not listening the for Strait like that. Of Gibraltar. Oh, okay. I thought you said something else. You got the Atlantic. The tip. Yeah, I got yeah. it. <laughs> you got the Mediterranean. The tips are important. And, you and the boot of Italy. Sorry. Yes, the boot of Italy is there too. <laughs> but we're not talking about Italy today. Oh, okay. Soon. Soon. <laughs> He's trying to be sexy. Oh no. <laughs> now, similar to Saida's father, Almendari was a refugee from the Spanish Reconquista that had restored the city of Tetuan and is largely considered to be the city's modern founder. He was a longtime friend of Saida's father, and again, maybe 30 ish years or senior. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. Now, as mentioned, Saida's education had been strategic as if to set her up for her position as Al-Mandari's wife. And from what we're told, Saida was observed to be highly intelligent and respected not only by the men in her life, but also the people of Tetuan. Saida's experience was not exactly unique either, as this seemed to be a relatively common thing for Andalusian Moroccan women. Andalusian is the name of like the nobility that came from the area of Granada. Okay. So all the women were treated like humans. I think he, yeah. <laughs> I, the idea here is that Andalusian nobility were already familiar with the practice of women's inheritance rights, uh -huh. and they had a living example. Was in it just the nobility, or I, I don't know. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> it's it's fine. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I have questions. I do know that Isabella of Castile was a living example of a woman inheriting. Yes. And being able to keep it. I like it. This is great. Saida established herself so well that in time she was able to exercise power within the city independent of her husband's supervision. She was trusted to make political decisions on her own, and in time she was named the vice governor or co-regent of Tetuan. Yes. Almandari trusted her so much that he entrusted Saida to rule in his absence anytime he made a trip outside of the city. See, people, that's how you do it. Hey, what a concept. Weird. <laughs> the people of Tetuan had grown so accustomed to her rule that when Almandari died in 1515, there was they, no transition. It was just like, okay. Yeah, they accepted oh. her. And oh, yes. a testament to her strength of character and how highly regarded she was was the fact that it went completely smoothly. It's at this point that she takes the formal title of Alhara Hakimat Tituan, which literally means Sovereign Lady, Governor of Tetuan. Cool! Yeah. You can also think of Alhara as meaning Queen. Alright, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks now, for that permission. <laughs> now, Saida was not the only Rashid member that was positioned strategically around Morocco. Right around the time she married Al-Mandari in Tetuan, her brother, Moulay Ibrahim, was sent to the south to serve as vizier to Ahmed al-Watasi, who was the Sultan of Morocco and living in the capital city of Fez. Sultan is, like, so cool. I know. <laughs> Just that word. It's, it's cool. Sultan. It's their, like, version of king. Oh, it reminds me of that. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> every time you say Sultan, I just think of the little, her little dad, who's, like, three feet. Oh, yeah. With his, <laughs> yeah. This giant... One day, I'm getting ahead of myself, sorry. One day we're going to talk about one of the most famous sultanas, who was the wife of Solomon the Magnificent. What the fuck? Yes. Her name. Um, don't say it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You've given too much away already. Um, you all have to do your own research. She, she exists in this time period. It's, it's really interesting. This time period, you have Saida, you have... This, this other person who we're not going to tell you. I'm not going to say. One day I'll cover her. Um, Catherine Medici. Yeah. Uh, Catherine of Aragon. Yes. Elizabeth I. Are we covering Catherine of Aragon? One day. I. Okay, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> anyway, you were that's another one that's like, it's going to be a multiple 
little harder and I'm kind That's of fair. intimidated by it. But yeah. you're pointing to uh that's not gonna be new stuff for you because you've Well I know some of it, yeah. but this is like the end of her life. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You were pointing. That is uh, that's for her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So just so you can see on the map. It's so far away, it's not that hard either. So. <laughs> Now, the Rashids had hoped that by placing their children in two very important areas of Morocco, they would be able to unite the country into one uniform kingdom. This is very similar to the union of Isabella and Ferdinand, as it served to facilitate the unification of the kingdoms of Castile and Aragon in the kingdoms of Spain. The same thing is now, like the same idea is happening in Morocco. Okay. The reason for this was simple. Morocco was getting sandwiched by the expanding kingdoms of Portugal and Spain. That's not great. <laughs> no. It's not fun. It's not a fun place to be. So the Portuguese had established colonies along the western African coastline to secure a direct sea route around the southern tip <laughs> of Africa. You laughed this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that gave them access to Arabia, India, and Southeast Asia. Oh. Meanwhile, Spain has outposts all along the North African coast. So they're literally getting wedged together. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. They're like, oh, it's not great. <laughs> you guys, we already done with this. We didn't like it first time. Could you not do it again, please? Thanks. <laughs> and Spain was greedily eyeing the Strait of Gibraltar because whoever controlled that narrow strip of water would end up controlling much of the trade leading in and out of the, West, the Western Mediterranean Sea. You have enough shit, Spain. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. That's colonialism. <laughs> also going on at this time was the expansion of the Ottoman Empire into the eastern portions of the Mediterranean Sea, thanks to a famous Ottoman corsair um, that we will be talking about very I soon. Ask me who it was. I was like, don't you fucking dare. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you might recognize the name. We'll oh, see. Yeah. There was just one little problem that stood in the way. <laughs> her name was Saida Alvarez. Hell yes. So over the Tell course. Me of 20 years or so, the port city of Tetuan's prosperity grew exponentially while under the rule of Saida. And how, pray tell, did she manage to accomplish such a thing, you might ask? Because she was a woman, they're awesome. Well, piracy. I guess you're going to tell me more. Yes! Piracy. Opportunistic piracy? It's very much opportunistic <laughs> piracy, yes. So this is where Saida gets the reputation for being a pirate queen. Given Tetuan's proximity to both Spain and Portugal and position along the Strait of Gibraltar, trading vessels out of both Portuguese and Spanish ports were ripe for the pickings. Saida had not forgotten the terror and humiliation that her family had suffered when they were forced to flee from Granada. And her family were not the only victims. Chefchuan and Tetuan had been home to thousands of refugees, and she was well-versed in all their stories. And so in time, Portuguese and Spanish trading vessels became targets not only because of the wealth they provided, but also as a way for Sahita to focus her vengeance. But also because fuck you. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and fortunately for her, and unfortunately for Spain and Portugal, it was an incredibly lucrative enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> now, meanwhile, operating on the opposite side of the Mediterranean were two pirate brothers by the name of Hizir Reis and Orek Reis. They're fire brothers of Thorab! <laughs> the younger of the two, Oric, would go on to be known to history as Barbarossa. Barbarossa was a nickname given to Oric, meaning Redbeard. And fun little fact, the character of Barbosa I was gonna say. in the Pirates of the Caribbean is named after him. Barbosa. Yes. Barbarossa. Barbarossa. That's fun. I'm, I'm trying to say it, but there's that like little... Like double R thing going on. Mm-hmm. I can't see them. You can't roll your eyes. That was the only thing in Spanish class that I was good at. Was rolling my eyes. I don't know what that says about me, but hey, can roll my eyes. I cannot. In time, Barbarossa's piracy will go on to give the Ottoman Empire dominance over the Eastern Mediterranean Sea. His brother will later be appointed the Grand Admiral of the Ottoman Navy by Suleiman the Magnificent. Ooh. Again, that's our dude who's married to our lady. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love like his, he's like whatever. I right? love that his moniker is the Magnificent. Um, he's like the most famous Ottoman Sultan. I know. I, that's, I know his name, but I just love that. His and he has the like he's magnificent. So the woman, who I'm not gonna name. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the Sultans had harems. And she was part of the harem, and she, like, rose to the top. She's like, I am the harem, now, bitch. <laughs> overtook his current wife and, like, became the most powerful sultana that had ever 
hell. Said, yeah. Yeah. But we're not talking about it. So. No, not, not today. <laughs> Just giving shit away. <laughs> anyway, back to our story. <laughs> Barbarossa and his brother had gained notoriety for attacking Spanish colonies and the Knights Hospitaller. Um, the Knights Hospitaller were the Catholic military order of knights that operated out of their Why are there always Catholic military knights? Fuck off, you're not that important. You're not that important. But that's why it's it's like knights of Columbus and knights of this and knights of that and knights and knights and knights and knights. And then you still you still they're still fighting for like the holy land that's still going on. Oh I know. They all make that was like their military order. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. The brothers at one point even attacked the flagship of Pope Julius II. Oh, Just to no. give you an idea of how, like, oh, no. yeah, <laughs> aggressive they were. The younger of the two brothers, Oric, had a terrible and ruthless reputation, and all accounts of him took care to note the ferocity for which he fought. And he did this in spite of the fact that he was handicapped with a silver prosthetic arm. Whoa! not crazy? That's awesome! Did he turn it into a sword arm? That would be great. Oh, <laughs> uh, God! <laughs> I don't even care. He now has a sword arm in my mind. I'm pretty sure Barbosa in Pirates of the Caribbean has like a hook arm. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. 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 Well, no, Wait, does he? Or it's like a. It's like a. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no one should see that. Thank God. <laughs> but among his own people, Oric had a different sort of reputation, and as it turned out, was he a giant teddy bear? Mm-hmm. Oh my deeply sympathetic with the Muslim refugees that had been fleeing the Iberian Peninsula to get to North Africa. It was this reputation for helping refugees and their shared political beliefs that initially piqued Saida's interest and installed a sense of admiration for him and her. She ends up reaching out to him in order to forge an alliance, and once the two of them decide to join forces together, it's pretty much over for the whole of the Mediterranean. Yes. Everyone's like, fuck it, we're done. We can't, we're not even fighting this. <laughs> so by securing an alliance with Barbarossa, Saida was able to turn her attention singularly towards Portugal and Spain, while Barbarossa continued to raid in the eastern Mediterranean. So they, they, they have like the whole Mediterranean. Hell yeah. The whole thing. The night business, I just can't have it. <laughs> she ended up organizing all the Andalusian refugees in her city and the other cities in North Africa into their own ragtag navy of privateers. Hell yeah. And directed them to target European vessels around the Iberian Peninsula. She's like, hey guys, do you want revenge? Come with me. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus points were given if they could take Christian captives, <laughs> which they did um, a lot. So official Spanish sources made note that the attacks along the Strait of Gibraltar were frequent and that the Spanish experienced the loss of much booty and many prisoners. <laughs> You got so excited when you were saying that, guys. I didn't say That's treasure, guys. Treasure. In 1540, she had organized the largest and most successful pirate raid on Gibraltar, which resulted in her pirates confiscating an astronomical sum of loot and booty. And booty. <laughs> along with more Christian captives. I was going to say more booty. I was like, oh, And more booty. <laughs> All the booty. <laughs> Now, anytime the Portuguese or Spanish needed to negotiate the surrender of their prisoners, they also dealt with Saida personally to fulfill their ransom she demanded. Interesting. And according to contemporary sources of the time, Saida was the only person they would even agree to negotiate with. Really? But oh. she was notorious for being a rather cutthroat negotiator. Hell yeah. Did they want to negotiate with her because she was a woman and they thought they could get away with it? Probably. Shit? More than likely. She's like, little did you know. Now, similar to the ruthless business savvy that was Ching Shi, Saida was more or less the same. She would surrender her captives gladly, but only after a lofty ransom was paid. Yeah, I've given these to you for free. Took a lot of work to get these. Now, these ransoms, combined with all the loot and booty they confiscated (laughs) from Spanish and Portuguese vessels, helped to make Tetuan very, very wealthy over the next couple of decades. Now, the booty confiscated was redistributed to the people of her city. She also used the booty to help rebuild the city walls, the infrastructure, and the mosques that had previously been destroyed. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she she returned it all. Yeah, she returned it to the people. I like it. Saida's reputation had grown so brave over time that the Portuguese wrote that they prayed to God to see her hanged from a ship's mast. What the? F- you can't pray to God. You can't. You can't pray that to God. You can't. Like that defeats everything. That's not how it works. No, I'm. I'm not. I'm gonna say it'll take a while. 
<laughs> one Portuguese envoy sent to the court of the Sultan in Morocco once famously said of Saida Alhura that she was very aggressive and bad-tempered about everything. Um, about you trying to invade her home? I think she's got a point. <laughs> now, it should not be any wonder that they felt this way about her, because as Tetuan's coffers grew wealthier, Portuguese coffers dwindled significantly over time. Oh, no! That's because you guys are vain. So, there's a little bit of a tricky thing when it comes to this whole piracy thing inside Saeed Alhura. Um, yeah, hard quotation marks around piracy. Well, so here, here's the thing. Okay. Even though Saida has this reputation... <laughs> even though she has this reputation for being a pirate queen, it's unlikely that she ever actually set foot on an actual ship. Well, that's unfortunate. And whether you would even consider her a pirate is a matter of semantics. Okay. So Saida was not like Grace O'Malley or Ching Shi in that she did not operate her own personal fleet. So she was like Elizabeth. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I did it. <laughs> yes. So, um, European governments with naval power often took advantage of any opportunity to confiscate foreign vessels that happened to veer a little too close to their coastlines in order to fill their own coffers. This is especially important during wartime because yeah. all of your money is going towards that effort. So yeah. you take whatever you can. So yeah, you're exactly right. She is more similar to Queen Elizabeth. Um, she's kind of like the Queen Elizabeth of Morocco, except oh, yeah. where Elizabeth's use of privateers was kind of kept hush-hush, Saida operated in the open. Saida's like, these are mine. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Basically. So anyone that passed through the Strait of Gibraltar or sailed along the northern coast in the western portions of the Mediterranean Sea could pretty much guarantee they'd encounter her ships. She wasn't hiding this either. She has like a picture, like, you know, like the front where it's the woman on the front. She's like, it's me, bitch. Pretty much. <laughs> These are mine. On top of that, Morocco did not have an established nav <laughs> navigator? <laughs> oh, you're trying to be navy. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm trying this again. Navy. Nope. I'm keeping that. <laughs> navy. established navy at this point, so it largely depended on hiring maritime mercenaries to defend its coastline. If you were a Spanish or Portuguese vessel, Saida Alhura was a pirate, but if you were over on Saida's continent, you would be a little more sympathetic to her cause. Everything she did was just business, after all, and she did it for the sake of her people. Yeah. Now, Spain was guilty of the same thing, resorting to opportunistic piracy, mm -hmm. as we have coined it. <laughs> Anytime a Moroccan or North African vessel happened to veer too close to its coastlines. This is also the beginnings of Portuguese and Spanish colonialism. Isabella of Castile had already commissioned Christopher Columbus to sail to the Americas at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and the Spanish were looking to do the same thing across the Mediterranean. This is also the beginning of the modern slave trade. So she was fending off not only Spanish and Portuguese expansionism, but also attempts made to capture and enslave her population. From Saida's point of view, she was trying to preserve a way of life for her people and fend off aggressive European colonialism that would have swept across Morocco if it had its way. So with all that in mind, pirate suddenly becomes a term of propaganda used by the colonial powers of Europe to justify their violent expansionist policies. That's like Elizabeth saying pirates are bad. Just not mine. Yes, mine are exactly. pirates. They're privateers. Mm -hmm. Fuck off. They're pirates. <laughs> they're pirates who are pirating. Honestly, that's the thing I want us to take away from this story is that it really all depends on which continent you're standing on. Mm -hmm. Which tip you're standing on? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Despite the notorious reputation Saida had gained for being hot-tempered and obstinate, the European powers eventually grew to respect her as a formidable sovereign. Any European monarch that wished to do business with Morocco would inevitably come into contact with her. In time, her reputation grew exponentially in her own country as well, and she eventually caught the eye of the Sultan of Morocco himself, Ahmed Awatasi. Like the eye? Like high? Like the eye? Like fluttering eyeballs? Like high? Fluttering eyeballs? 
that. Really flirt? Yeah, that's you why I'm saying your eyeballs and not your eyelashes. What? I mean, I can't I'm like. Now, in 1541, Saida accepted a marriage proposal from him. Mind you, Saida is anywhere from 55 to 65 years old at this point. Oh, yeah. The scenario for this marriage was very different from that of her first husband. No touching. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Saida had grown to become a very powerful monarch in her own right, ruling Tetuan for over a quarter of a century at this point. Al-Watasi, conversely, was constantly fending off tribes to the south of Fez. Reaching out to Saida was more for his benefit than for hers. Ooh, so she's like, I'm going to get so much out of this. <laughs> yeah, he was basically looking to strengthen his own position of power by joining up with Saida. When it came time to actually perform the marriage ceremony, Saida refused to make the trip down to the city of Fez <laughs> and yeah. marry the sultan in the capital, as had been tradition. She's like, nah, you come to me, bro. <laughs> exactly. If Al-Watasi wished to marry her, he would have to travel to her in Tetuan and have the ceremony performed there. Yeah, you're fucking welcome. <laughs> and this is exactly what happened. Hell yes! It, like, is, oh my God, fuck. it is literally the only time in the history of Morocco that the Sultan of Morocco married outside the capital. Isn't that crazy? I love how they like need them to marry in the capital. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, it doesn't... It's just tradition. I know. But yeah, Sometimes she was like, oh, you weird. can come to me. I'm not you, you to your little come city. Here. Yeah. That's her. <laughs> My city's better, obviously. By making him come to her and marry her in her own kingdom, she sent a clear message That's to her husband. Yeah, that she had no intention of giving up her seat of power in Tetuan. Married or not, she would continue to rule Tetuan as its queen. She's like, you're marrying into power, homie. Into power. <laughs> <laughs> When word of the marriage reached the courts of Western Europe, many an eyebrow was upturned. Over in Spain, Isabella of Castile's grandson, Philip II, was now in power, and he could see clearly what this union meant. It was the Muslim version of the union between his own grandparents, and you better believe this scared the absolute shit out of him. <laughs> shit, guys. Now, Saida would continue to reign as queen in Tetuan for another four years or so before it would finally come to an end. And her downfall came from an unlikely source. <laughs> but like most things in history, there were still a number of contributing factors to her downfall. One had been the ever-tempestuous relationship she had with the city of, uh, I believe it's Keuta? Puelta? Kelta? Which one? Keuta? It's on the, it's on the map. Oh, it's right. It's up here. Oh, duh. I don't actually know how to pronounce that, so... <laughs> I'm going All of this was for nothing. Queta? I don't Quetta. know. Yes. Oh, Queta. Okay. We'll know that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so Queta was located along the northernmost tip of Africa. Yeah. Yeah. East of Morocco. It was one of the few cities in northern Africa that remained a Christian city and often swapped hands between the Muslim Nasser dynasty and Portugal. Lady... Lee. <laughs> and later, <laughs> Lee. later the city would transfer hands to Spain. Saida would have already had a temperamental history with the city because its position made it right for maritime raids from Tetuan. At one point, the Portuguese sacked the city themselves because they were tired of dealing with all the raiding. Well, that's not how that works, but okay. Well, they were like, we don't want to maintain you anymore. You're too much trouble, so we're just going to sack you ourselves. Isn't that great? That's not great. <laughs> By 1542, the governor grew fed up with Saida and cut off all commercial ties with Tetuan, which in turn pissed off the merchants in Tetuan because Saida's diplomatic spats with the city was cutting into their bottom line. The merchants of Tetuan would go on to complain that Saida's obstinance was proving bad for business as the relationship between the two cities was vital for Tetuan's economy. I feel like it has nothing to do with her, but because she's a woman, everyone's like, well, again. You know, I will say, they, nowhere in the sources, and they're limited, granted, yeah. but nowhere in the sources do they say she was obstinate because she was a woman and she was emotional. It was just literally like, she's just- <laughs> She was like, being stubborn. <laughs> yes. Like, they, they didn't credit it to her gender from what I could tell, oh, okay. but they did make note, like, she was not fun to deal with. Oh, that's cool. She's also like- 60 years old at this point and has been yeah, I'm really... not fun to deal with it on 30, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what's about to happen when I hit 60. <laughs> and then to make matters worse, Saida's son-in-law from her first marriage, Moulay Ahmed al-Hassan al-Mandari, decided to turn against her. What? Sensing the inevitable downfall of the Wadisid dynasty, this was the family that she married into, like the sultan, uh -huh. 
her son-in-law ends up making Wait, the Sultan from Fez? Yes. Okay. So he he sees shit's going down in Fez, and he ends up making an alliance with those tribes that have been attacking Fez. Yeah. Well, he uses them. So basically, he uses them to march on Tetuan. So he, again, he mobilizes these tribes and they march on Tetuan. When he arrives in the city, Saida has already seen the writing on the wall and she accepts her fate with little struggle. As mentioned, she's an old woman at this point. Yeah, she's like, I'm not doing this. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure she was psyched for a break. Yeah, she's, she's like, you know what? Fucking Jesus, I'm gonna go You know what? Beach. These merchants are annoying me and that freaking, you deal with it. It is your problem now. Your issue now. So Saida Alhura had ruled the city of Tetuan for nearly 30 years before it was usurped from her by her son-in-law. We're told that he stripped her of all her property and power before allowing her to retire in the city of Shefshuan. Oh, did you allow me to retire after you <laughs> stripped me of all my shit and I basically handed it to you? Yes. Good for you. <laughs> Perhaps it was a fitting end for the once queen and by all contemporary accounts, pirate queen as well. Saida's family had initially settled in the city of Shefshuan after fleeing the forces of Isabella and Ferdinand in Granada. Is that as fun to say as it sounds? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it had been the first stable home she had ever known. Saida spent 30 years of her life ruling a kingdom of her own, terrorizing European vessels in the western Mediterranean Sea and working to unite Morocco against the powers of Spain and Portugal. She got to spend the last 20 years of her life in the city of blue buildings and blue walkways in relative peace. Hell yeah. She ends up dying on July 14th, 1561, and she was approximately 76 or 86 years old. It's always so interesting when we get like the exact day. Yeah. And you're like, what? Yep. We couldn't remember her birth. <laughs> Sayida Alhura would also be the last woman in Islamic history to ever hold the title of Alhura. Hell yeah. The last thing I will leave you with is this. The full translation of Saida Alhura's name means noble lady who is free and independent, the woman sovereign who bows to no superior authority. Oh my god, I got it. I want that on my tombstone. Yes! I'll make sure to add it. Yeah. Is it? Yes, that's a painting of her. She's so beautiful. Like, oh my goodness. She's like, fuck with me, I do it. I dare you. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. She's beautiful. There's more pictures. There are to the pirate. Yeah. Is that a pistol or a weapon? It's a pistol. I think it's a pistol. Yeah. And I think there's Very dangerous to have a pistol right there. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Some other big things painting of her as a pirate. Again, we don't, it's likely she was never like stuck foot on a boat, but that's what she was known as. But this is so great. So I love that first picture. Oh, she's so <laughs> So my sources for this episode were. AaronCoWorld.com, um, an article called Malika the Sixth Queen, Saida Al Hura by Tom Verde. In Sid Oh my god. Oh. Okay. <laughs> InsideArabia.com. <laughs> you wanted to put an emphasis on it so bad. They have an article um also called Saida Al Hura, Governor, Pirate Queen, and Trailblazer by Austin Bedetti, and then a little bit from Wikipedia. Hell yeah, of course. Wikipedia is, is always the starting point. So that is <laughs> our lady sovereign. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Not so random question time and random question time. Was she <laughs> more difficult or more, more damsel? Uh, she was raised to be difficult. <laughs> she was absolutely yeah. difficult. Yeah, I would say her only. I mean, she has kind of like two damsel moments. The first one is obviously when they're refugees, they're fleeing yeah. from their homeland. Um, and then the second one was when her stupid son along came along. He's like, hey, asshole, I'm taking your city. She's like, if you can have it, I don't want it anymore. <laughs> gonna go in my new house. I'm gonna go live in the Blue City. Blue City? What the fuck is happening? I don't know. No, I said Blue Law. Oh, oh. Just added a law to it. I just wanted to say. Yes, so we can concur. Yeah. Saeed Al Hara was different. Yeah. All right, so a random question. <clears throat> yes. It's going to be. It's slightly random because. Slightly random, but. We just thought of it in five seconds, but. <laughs> yeah, but it ties in. It's on theme with what we <clears throat> talked about earlier, yeah. which was Wheel of Time. Yeah. So in Wheel of Time, the sorceresses are known as the Aes Sedai, and each Aja has its own color, and uh, I don't know if theme's the right word, but they have a different purpose they serve. So. Yeah. 
Which Aja would you choose? You want me to go first? Well, let's 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 talk about the yeah. colors. Um, you want to alternate? Yeah. Okay. Are you looking at this one? Nope, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. So uh, the blue Aja is the group known for being just, righteous, and volunteering for dangerous missions. They're also kind of known as the spies of the Aes Sedai. They actually have a network that brings information in. Hell yeah. That's what I ever know. <laughs> um, the green Aja are also called the Battle Aja. They stand ready for the last battle. They are the second largest Aja, and the leader of this title is Captain General. Oh, interesting. Green okay. sisters bond as many warders as they wish, though a green with only one warder is typically married to him. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. They're the ones that like form like romantic bonds with their warders. Cool. There's the gray Aja. Um, it opposes the green Aja, and this is um, due to the fact that the gray specializes in diplomacy rather than fighting. And they are interested with negotiating treaties, and they act as ambassadors between the factions across the Westlands. Okay. The brown Aja focuses on gathering and preserving knowledge. They are the fourth largest Aja and governed by a ruling council, the head of which is called the first chair. The librarians of the Tower Library are mostly brown sisters. Makes mm -hmm. sense. <laughs> yeah, they're scholars. <laughs> Indeed. Um, the yellow Aja specializes in healing and utilizes the one power to cure sickness and heal wounds. The white Aja focuses on logic and philosophy. They are the smallest Aja. Aww. <laughs> yeah. uh, white sisters rarely bond warders, and apparently they have no eyes and ears networks. No. What? What does that mean? That they have no spies. Oh. They, they operate in the open. They're not like the blue Aja. Gotcha. And then the Red Aja. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the man-haters. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically their specific role is to root out male channelers and help them detain their powers. By tame, we mean gently. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so which would you choose? Um, I think I think my main one is probably gonna be green. <laughs> Are you gonna marry your warder? Yeah. Are you no. gonna have multiple? Orders? I'm gonna have multiple. Oh, no. <laughs> you have polyamorous. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be good. <laughs> like um, Alana. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'd definitely be green. But if I had a second option, I think it'd be brown. Yeah, because they're How? nerds. How interesting that that those are nature colors. I didn't do that on purpose. Colors of nature. Oh, the colors you chose. Yeah. Yeah, I just bounced all over the place. <laughs> um, I would. For sure, I don't know if you remember this, but like when the wheel of time, the wheel of chimes, the wheel of chimes, when the wheel of when the wheel of time trailer came out, um, I like posted it on Facebook, and I was like, "Choose your Aja." I choose blue. I will always choose blue. Yeah. I kind of like blue, but yeah. <laughs> I I like it's blue has a lot of um, not everyone likes them because yeah. again they they operate. Outside of in the, the shadows yeah. and outside. I do like that aspect of it. And they I like the Yes. It's interesting it's, that you choose the one that Well, I choose. How interesting that we both chose the different options and they're like BFFs in the show. They are. They totally are. Um, the blue and the green generally ally with each other. That makes sense. I like the blue because. They're not just, uh, the other Aja I like is the brown because they're the nerd Aja, yeah. the scholars and the historians, but I like the idea that the blue actually go into the world to investigate. They're like, yeah. I need to know this thing. The only way I'm going to find out is if I actually go to the thing and I learn about go it. Go to the thing and do the thing. And do the thing. <laughs> yes. So I will pick the blue. What would be your second pick? Brown? Brown. Okay. What would be your third pick? Um, the yellow. See, the healers. Yeah. yeah. My third would be blue and then yellow after that. Yeah. Sure. Um, I I like the idea of the reds, but I also know the reds in the books and they're like they're not great. They're not great. <laughs> they're not great. I will say Well, so from this, from the way it sounds like um it says, you know, they, they focus on castigating the wrong and dangerous use of the one power, which mostly consists in capturing male channelers and bringing them to the tower yeah. for gentling. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's all men that they're looking at. They're, look, they're supposed yes. to be focused on, you know... Just misuses of yeah. the power. Yeah. It's but, not their fault that every fucking man is using it. <laughs> I mean, 
it's more it's not their fault that every man goes insane when he touches the power yeah. yeah well you have been listening to difficult damsels you can reach us at difficult.damsels at gmail.com. Why did you look at me like that? <laughs> you like looked at me like I was supposed to say something and I panicked. <laughs> uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram the social media. The social media. Uh, just, you know, look for Difficult Damsels. Yeah. Um, if you have any suggestions for cool as fuck women, please yeah. reach out and let us know. Um, also, you can help get our podcast out there by rating, reviewing, Subscribing on whatever podcast service you use. Yes. And tell all your friends. Christmas is coming up. We yeah, have to yeah. have topics of conversation at dinner. Yeah. Why not have it be typical damsels? Why not have it be amazing women in history? Yeah. And then you can get into a fight with your older generations. Hell yeah. Always <laughs> we recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> we always recommend the holiday family fights. <laughs> um, which ties into our tagline, which is stay difficult. Stay difficult. <laughs> She looks like a she's demon. Demon. Oh, she looks like a demon. No, she looks like a demon. I'm taking a picture. She's no, she a demon. She's nice. She's demon so cute. cat. Look at that. Those were demon oh, eyes. Adorable. <laughs> I hope you do bloopers. This is I'm going to. Ready? Yep. Just watching the demon cat. He's like the perfect dude for me. <laughs> this pirate with like a silver yeah. arm is probably. Stop doing that goddamn motion, Rachel. <laughs> It's doing like a flaccid dick motion, guys. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Now in fourth. <laughs> How are you doing today? Great. <laughs> okay. God, I can't work today either, so that's great. Okay, ready? You oh, time. <laughs> Something else is just gonna be noisy. Apparently, the world is falling apart outside. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> to the right, people. Move to the right. <laughs> That's how you get I mean, at least you're not so good. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say anything. Mm. It's no. better if you don't. Wow. Oh. <laughs> so sorry. Look at Izzy. Oh my god. She's so cute. You are adorable. <laughs> Nobody's gonna get that, but nope. just know she's being very cute. She's being very cute. Now in Fort... <laughs> oh my god, okay. Now in 1541, Saida accepted a marriage proposal from him. Similar to the ruthless Bismis. Bismis? <laughs> she got excited. Daisy is talking shit up there. That's fine. It's really great when I'm home alone and then I hear stuff up there and I'm like, oh, I hope a cat's up there. <laughs> <laughs> you look around and one's missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hope one's missing because if they're all down here, something's wrong. <laughs> look at her. She's like, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can you not drink my water? Did you not see me like grab her palm when she tried to put it in your I knew she was over there. I just didn't see what she did. She literally Izzy. went to put her palm there, so I had to grab it and like pull her away. Ooh, okay. Rachel just threw you. Probably. Really? You did. <laughs> I saw it. Baby. What are you, a parrot? Get off he my is very gangly. Yeah, he's an idiot. He's no reason shit falls, except for when Izzy goes and like flies through the house and just slides and hits everything. Because she has no brakes. <laughs> What? <laughs>